Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Welcome to episode 31 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts, and today's episode is part four in a five-week series on the topic of prayer. Last week, we talked about selfish prayer. I mean, wait, simple prayer. Uh, But I'm joking because we did acknowledge that to pray with authenticity, our very simple requests will often feel a little self-indulgent, and that's probably because they are. And again, that's really okay, because remember, our job is to lay out before God what is actually inside of us, not what we think should be inside of us. And so there's always going to be a selfish aspect to prayer. But obviously, not all prayer should be for ourselves. To pray only for ourselves, whether we're confessing our sins or presenting our requests or praising God for what God's done in our life, um, is to have a soul concern with ourself, but of course, mature Christianity is always concerned about the well-being and the health of the other. And so today, now we expand our conversation on prayer to talk about intercessory prayer, which is when we pray for other people. Intercession is a way of loving people, and it's a way to serve people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls intercessory prayer a purifying bath. Why? Because in praying for other people, we learn to lose ourselves in concern for the other. And so for this episode, I really just want to ask two questions. Number one, what is intercessory prayer? And number two, what are the benefits of intercessory prayer? And to get started, I want to read a passage from the book of Exodus because I think it's going to help us lean into those questions. A reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men for us and go out and fight. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the sun set, and Joshua defeated Amalek and his people. Here ends the reading. Now, on the surface, this is really a very strange story. We can just name that. But the implications for intercessory prayer are pretty profound, I think. The Israelites are in the wilderness and the Amalekites attack. Well, Moses, he's the leader of these people. And because of that, he's the one that has to choose the military strategy, which I think can be summed up like this. Joshua, you fight and I'll go up on the mountain and pray. 
You see, Moses understood that behind this earthly conflict was a spiritual conflict, and that only by lifting his hands in prayer could the battle be won. And here's what's amazing. What the Bible suggests is that Moses actually had the harder task. After all, Aaron and Hur had to hold his arms up. In other words, Moses' job was more important than Joshua's job. Now, when all was said and done, who do you think got all the credit? Joshua, he got all the credit. After all, he was the one leading the charge. People probably started spreading rumors about Moses being a coward and not wanting to fight. But, you know, what the Bible suggests is that the real work was happening behind the scenes, where Moses and Aaron and Hur were interceding on Israel's behalf. You see, it was their work and not Joshua's that determined the outcome of the battle. Now, what Moses and Aaron and Hur did for Israel is something that all of us are called to do for each other and our world. It's really a metaphor, I think, for how we are to support others in whatever conflicts they are facing. Because, you know, metaphorically speaking, not all of us are going to be a Joshua. We're not all going to be on the front lines, that is, visible, celebrated, public leaders, so to speak. But all of us are called to the much more important work of intercessory prayer. And so let's start by asking the question, what is intercessory prayer? Well, the best definition I've ever heard comes from Tim Keller, who says that intercessory prayer is what happens whenever we long for what's best for someone else before God. Intercessory prayer is not about us. It's not about our needs, our sins, things that we are thankful for. No, in intercessory prayer, we bring before God what we believe is best for someone else. And so to go back to part two of this series, whenever we intercede for someone, we do the work of a priest. We go to God on behalf of someone else. Whenever we intercede, we act as a mediator, a go-between. You know, think of Moses. Where does he pray? Moses intercedes from the top of a mountain, which is a metaphor or symbolic for being between heaven and earth. Moses places himself between the people of Israel and God, and he raises his staff in prayer. And that's kind of what intercessory prayer is like, only the image is somewhat flawed because in Christ, we're not just standing on top of a mountain. No, we get to walk straight to the throne of God and speak with God directly. And whenever I personally intercede for someone, whenever I pray for you or for people at St. Michael's, whenever I pray for individuals, I find it helpful to think about three things. I want to think about a person's needs. I want to think about their flaws, and I want to think about their strengths. I want to know a person's needs so that I can ask God to meet them. I want to know a person's flaws so that I can ask God to remove them or to bring some self-awareness into their life so that this person can change whatever unhealthy patterns keep them from being the person that God wants them to be. And then most importantly, I want to know a person's strengths so that I can thank God for that person and keep all that's good about them in my mind and in my heart. Because remember, each one of us is a living, breathing miracle. And far too often we forget that. 
And that's something that we actually need to celebrate before God in prayer. We don't just need to lift up what's wrong in someone's life. We also need to celebrate what's good. But either way, intercessory prayer begins whenever we approach God with someone in mind and we long for what's best for them. We bring them into our mind and our heart and then we bring that person to God asking God to give them what is best. And now we can ask, what are the benefits of intercessory prayer? Because you might be thinking, you know, that's great, but isn't God just going to do what God's going to do? What are the benefits of intercessory prayer? In other words, why do it? And I want to give us three reasons to ponder today. Intercessory prayer changes things, it changes relationships, and finally, it actually changes us. And so let's start with intercessory prayer changing things. Now, what I'm about to tell you is very, very mysterious. But prayer changes things without changing God's plans. Now, wait a second. You're probably thinking it's got to be one or the other. No, it doesn't. We're dealing with God and God's ways are beyond anything we can understand. Prayer doesn't change God. That's part of what it means for God to be sovereign. But prayer does change things. It changes circumstances and people. There is a famous verse in the book of James that says, You have not because you ask not. Think about that reading from Exodus. When Moses held up his hand in prayer, Israel won the battle. But whenever he dropped it, whenever Moses stopped interceding, the Israelites would lose. The author's point is pretty clear. It really matters whether or not we pray. Second, intercessory prayer changes relationships. There's really no getting around it. I'm a much better Christian whenever I'm praying for people in my life. I'm more aware of their needs. After all, I've thought about them enough to bring those needs to God. I'm more aware of their flaws in an objective way, and I don't take it personally if those flaws impact me negatively. So I'm a lot more patient and less irritable whenever I'm around them. And finally, I'm more aware of their strengths. I've been thanking God for their faith or their humility or whatever gift they have that I know blesses both me and other people. Because the truth is, whenever we pray for someone, our heart gets bigger and our concern for them grows, our love for them grows. Why do you think Jesus told us to intercede for our enemies? It's because Jesus knew that in praying for them, we would eventually come to love them. And so if there's someone in your life that you're angry with right now or you're holding a grudge against, I'll be bold. I know that you have not been actively interceding for that person. Why? Because whenever we think about someone's needs and flaws and strengths and we pray for them with a sincere heart, God also softens our heart in and through our prayer. And so prayer then comes to strengthen our relationship because it changes us and it changes the relationship. And then finally, intercessory prayer does change us. Intercessory prayer is behind-the-scenes servant ministry. Going back to Exodus, Joshua, he got credit for winning the battle, but again, it was Moses, the man praying behind the scenes, who really secured the victory for Israel. And intercessory prayer is really hard work precisely because it's by nature behind-the-scenes work. 
In other words, we're probably not going to get a lot of credit for the way our prayers bless the life of someone else. But here's what we have to see. That's really the essence of holiness, and that's what it means to be like Christ. To long for the good of others is the essence of holiness. Or to put it differently, nothing's going to make us more like Christ than to long for the Christ-likeness of someone else. I'll be very honest, you know, meditating on Scripture, praying for God to meet my needs, praising God for what God has done in my life, I find all of this fairly easy and enjoyable. Why? Because it's all about me. It's all about my growth. It's all about my peace. It's all about my faith. And of course, that's good. I should be concerned with my own spiritual walk, and so should you. But we will also get stuck in our own spiritual development until we learn to long for the well-being of other human beings in our life, and really for the world. Because again, nothing's going to make us more like Jesus than longing for others to be like Jesus. And so to recap, what are the benefits of intercessory prayer? It changes things, it changes relationships, and finally, it changes us. Now, a final word. If we begin praying with persistence and passion, at some point, we're going to run up against the problem of unanswered prayer. And here's what I want to say about that. I still remember the first time I watched our daughter Annie alone after she had learned to crawl. And it was very easy to watch Annie whenever she was stuck in a crib or a pack and play, but the moment she could start moving and I didn't have reinforcements, this was really a different story. And over the course of those two hours, um, Annie crawled around and she tried to stick her slobbery fingers into an electric socket. And at one point she tried to eat a knife that had fallen on the floor. Um, And those were her prayers, so to speak, the deepest desires of her young infant heart. In not letting her do those things, I was not trying to tell her I didn't love her. I was trying to show her that I did. And so whether it's for ourselves or for someone else, sometimes we pray for things that are not granted, not because God isn't good, but precisely because God is good. You know, we may think our greatest need in life is to eat that knife or to get that job, but it's not. And so let me say this, whenever we're faithful in prayer and persistent in prayer and intentional about prayer, God will always give us and the people for whom we pray that which is best under the circumstances. And sometimes that means not intervening in people's lives or allowing them to experience the result of their choices. But remember, God does not do this because he isn't good, but rather precisely because he is. And so let me close by saying this, not all prayer should be for ourselves, right? That is spiritual selfishness. Remember, our goal is to become more like Jesus, and nothing will make us more like Jesus than longing for someone else to become more like Jesus.